everybody. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman. Thank you so much for joining me. I had put my podcast on a little hold for a while, but it seemed like a, a good time to come back. Um, how are you guys doing? In my last podcast, I talked a little bit about this, finding this peace with this uncertainty um, we're dealing with right now. And I know it's hard. It's hard for so many of us. So I'd love to hear how you're doing, what you're doing to cope. Um, for me, yoga and just spiritual practices, um, being out in nature, walking, running, eating healthy, although that's <laughs> eating healthy can be, um, you know, challenging because I'm drawn to comfort foods. And I think that's okay. Um, but those things are helping me. And I'm just wondering what you are using to cope and how you are staying connected to your loved ones during this time. So if you have a chance, drop me an email. You can go to my website, Connie at ConnieBowman.com, or you can drop in on our Happy Healthy You Facebook page and just leave some comments and um, yeah, share your stories with us. We are uh, a loving community who uh, likes to share this kind of stuff. So I have a great podcast for you today, and I'm putting it on Zoom, and I'm looking at myself right now. I see my uh, Blue Planet Eyewear glasses, which is a reminder, just a shout out to this awesome company who could probably use some business right now. Um, they have given us permission to give a 20% discount, and I love their glasses. These are uh, their readers that you can see if you're watching by Zoom. Um, they, Blue Planet Eyewear seems to have more uh, magnification level. So I, right now, uh, need 1.75 and you can't find them everywhere. Usually you find 1.5 and or 1.50 and 2.0. So I love Blue Planet Eyewear. Go to their, if you shop there, use code Connie20 and you'll get a nice discount. You'll also support this podcast. Um, so I thought I'd start today just to get us a little centered and ready for our guest, Catherine Tristan, who is an expert in worry and anxiety. But I thought I'd calm us down and center us and ground us with a little Mary Oliver poem. So here is uh, the book that is coming from Mary Oliver, New and Selected Poems. And this one is called Egrets. And it kind of speaks to faith, especially during this time. Where the path closed down and over, through the scumbled leaves, fallen branches, through the knotted catbriar, I kept going. Finally, I could not save my arms from the thorns. Soon the mosquitoes smelled me, hot and wounded, and came wheeling and whining. And that's how I came to the edge of the pond, black and empty, except for a spindle of bleached reeds at the far shore, which, as I looked, wrinkled suddenly into three egrets, a shower of white fire. Even half asleep, they had such faith in the world that had made them, tilting through the water, unruffled, sure by the laws of their faith, not logic, they opened their wings softly and stepped over every dark thing. I just think that's beautiful. I kind of accidentally read it to my yoga class this morning as I was beginning to teach. And I just, I loved it because it speaks to the faith that can be so hard to come by. Um, but I think our guest today is going to help us with that. So let me give her bio. 
Catherine Tristan is a research scientist and assistant professor of medicine on the faculty of Washington University School of Medicine. She studies our biological immune system and its diseases. She also is interested in the psychological immune system, can't wait to talk about that, that represents our constellation of thoughts and feelings meant to protect us. She's a prolific writer with more than 300 articles in leading scientific or lay productions, and she's written two self-help books, Why Worry, Stop Coping and Start Living, yes, and Anxiety Rescue, Simple Strategies to Stop Fear from Ruling, Ruling Your Life. She has appeared on television and been on numerous radio shows, including now Happy Healthy You. And her passion is speaking and writing about how to focus our minds to overcome worry and anxiety using simple and easy tools of the mind, body, and spirit. She is right up our alley. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And thank you for writing your timely book. Oh, my gosh. How are you doing? <laughs> it took a little while for me to use my own uh, methods. Yeah. But I, I'm finally centered. I think that's part, part of it is that we have a... We get hit with things, but then if we bounce back, that's the key to it. So mm. I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah. So where are you and how are you coping with this COVID-19 pandemic? I'm in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, we are actually, uh, according to what they say in the news, peaking on the next uh, today, you know, over the weekend, so in the next couple of days, we we're supposedly peaking. Um, and so one never knows until after things start to go down whether you actually peaked or not. But certainly, we're embroiled in it as everyone else is and doing what we can and doing what we're supposed to do, most of us. Um, so, so yeah, we're in the thick of things just like you. Yeah, yeah. Well, good luck with your peak. I, we're in Maryland now. It seems like we may be... We have flattened the curve, they say, although we keep hearing, you know, I think that's one of the problems is we keep hearing um, so many different things and we're not sure what to believe. And yeah, that that uncertainty that we're all dealing with is what's really, I think, fanning the flames of our anxiety, right? It's the hardest thing. I mean, most of us like to know what, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen next week, yeah. or at least mostly what's going to happen. I mean, we all flow, uh, go with the flow a lot, but this is so new and so challenging that I think finding the right balance for how to deal with this is part of the key. So, yes, we don't know what the future is bringing, and, and sometimes what you need to deal with that is an acceptance, a quiet acceptance, and I you said, fly over the dark spot. Mm. Isn't that a beautiful poem? I just love it. It, it is beautiful. I love it. I like the flavor. I like the sound of it. And I like the feel about how one deals with things. And I think that the poem gives us a different sense than just the words, don't worry. You know, so this is like gives you yeah. a feeling about it. So I applaud you for that. I like the poem. Yeah, well, let me just tell you what happened this morning as I was reading it. I am um, I'm sheltering in place down at the shore. I've been here for six weeks, I guess, with my husband. And so I have a little bit of a water view out my window, and I was teaching this yoga class in front of the window to get the natural light. And as I'm reading this poem, well, no, I read the poem in the beginning, and then as I'm teaching the class, a white egret flew right across my window. It was the most beautiful kind of a sign of hope and you know that's what I uh, my husband says I'm always looking for those things so <laughs> whatever 
part of my book is pay attention to coincidences because yeah. sometimes I think that is how how we're guided into knowing what to do or what to say or what poem to read for the right day. So yeah. um, yes, pay attention to coincidence. Good. Well, we're going to have a great conversation. I love that you're in your bio. You say you talk about mind, body, and spirit, and I'm all about that. That's what this whole podcast is about because that's what brings us to our really whole human selves, true selves. Um, what is it, what is your background? And um, I'll cr go Krista Tippett on you. Like, what is your spiritual background? And um, how did you get interested in the subject? You can kind of combine both. So the spiritual background going way in the background is I was uh, raised uh, Catholic. And so I think cultivated, you know, took that quite seriously and uh, cultivated a certain sense of, of religion. But then when I was in my uh, teens, it's, uh, I, it wasn't connecting for me anymore. And I sort of just pushed that aside, but retained part of that feeling of spirituality. And later went into more metaphysical uh, uh, ideas. And what I embraced more was the idea of spirit as opposed to to religion, but I think religion also gives us, uh, some, sometimes for people depending, a basis for structure, and sometimes that's needed. It's very important. So for me, I sort of adopted more of a global, or universal view about uh, how we are we're connected, and that we can access uh, higher energies by focusing uh, our thoughts on that. And so, yes, I have more global energy. Uh, as a spiritual practice now. Yeah, yeah. And we're really seeing the interconnectedness displayed through this virus, right? It's, it's, it's actually very fascinating. So um, did you want to say something about that? No, I yeah. was going to agree with you. I've had so many so many thoughts of, uh, of uh, tenderness and connection with with just the world in general. And I think even when I take my little doggy Carly on walks, I don't think I've ever waved to so many people who also have waved back at me from across the street. I mean, if I see someone on the street, it's, it's a, in the suburbs a little bit more, so not very crowded like a city might be, but just wave and a smile, I feel a connection to them. Yeah. And, and I think that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's, hopefully we will retain some of this um, connectivity that we're experiencing and take the good leave the bad. All right, so let's dig into, uh, because I think so much, so many people are feeling the stressors around this, but I mean, it's, anxiety is, is rampant in our society without the virus, right? So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the worst reasons to worry, some of the worst ways we worry, and um, what happens when we worry physiologically, psychologically? I mean, what are, what are, the, what are the problems with worry? Why should we not worry? <laughs> Which is the title so, of the book. Here, here's how I'll answer that. You should worry. <laughs> okay, you should worry. Yeah, you should worry. It's a, it's a built-in biological response. It's also a psychological protection. You know, you, we've evolved over millions of years, and it's because that we've been able to reach a balance between worry. If you didn't worry, you wouldn't take care of what you need to take care of on a daily basis. Maybe you'd just be on the couch watching Netflix all day long. But, you know, we need to do things, and so uh, worry helps us focus on what we need to do and if there are dangers obviously there can be dangers and so we want to be able to worry but here's the the kicker is that uh, worry is definitely 
uh, a, a seesaw type of effect. And so a little worry is very good to help you find solutions to be proactive. Too much worry is where most of us run into problems where we will, what I call terribleize, will make something that is a big, a, a medium, small worry into a major worry. And so that's one of the worst ways that we do worry is that we terribleize or make something we aren't finding solutions to being proactive. We're just looping in a, in a, a, a basically a biochemical situation of, of stress. And so to me, that's the, the issue is balance. Mm. Otherwise, your body is also reducing, uh, suppressing your immune system. Mm-hmm. Um, if you worry too much and are in that much of a negative mode, it can suppress your immune system for a number of hours afterwards. Those are scientific studies that show the effect of of mind and body. So what we want to try to get is a balance. We want to manage worry, not mm. eliminate it. I love that you use the term terribleize. It's, it's cute. I, some people would say catastrophize. Um, I can definitely do that on occasions where I um, just spiral out of control and create stories around things that are not necessarily healthy for me. So um, we want right now to maintain our immune systems, obviously, in the face of this, um, this virus. So um, what are some of the ways we can achieve this balance um, and try to offset some of the worries? Well, so what I usually, my, my discussion of that is that you know, terribleizing is the worst way we worry. Well, what's the best way aside from, okay, we just okay. need to balance. And so the way I think of it and the way that has been true and uh, in my life is I made up uh, another word. I call it possibilize. So isn't it just possible the worst disaster won't happen and that we will handle all of our, all, all of our challenges the way we always have? Isn't mm-hmm. it just possible that maybe some good will come out of some of this, these issues? Isn't it just possible that you'll handle it, and your kids will handle it, and your, your parents will handle it, you know, we as a society will handle it. So what I try to do is turn things around. I listen to that voice of worry, but then I counter those statements like, oh, this is, I'll always be alone, or I'll, you know, this will never get better with, I'll handle it, this too shall pass. You know, I build a toolbox of, of uh, affirmations that I maybe post around the house to help me mentally stay in the game and so you know on a fundamental level the best thing to do is try to keep your mind talking to your negative mind and staying balanced and then also doing as you were talking about at the beginning of the show certain steps you know yoga is is fabulous uh connecting uh with nature just even walking barefoot feeling the electromagnetic energy of the earth on our feet when we earthing do that, yeah. by the ocean yeah all those things help us mm. and so i think that that on its fundamental level that how you mentally uh retool and bounce back at these challenges is what will get you through it and then there are the practical things that you mentioned too and you know i would add other practical ways of doing things too, like even writing about your worries. Mm-hmm. Science shows us that if you even write about your worries a couple of times a week, 10, 15 minutes, that it gets it out of that looping in my brain mode right. and puts it down on paper where I can say, nah, maybe that's not quite as bad as I thought, or get your emotions out. So that's one a practical way too. Mm, good. Yeah, there's so many good tools. And it, everything's a practice, right? If we're not good at something, we just got to work at it. 
Exactly. Yeah. You don't so. get to be perfect overnight. And, and, and actually, what uh, perfectionism is one of the issues, too. We mm-hmm. want to be perfect overnight. Our things in the house need to be perfect. Yeah. But I think we become accustomed a little bit to chaos. And so uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about some specific situations um, with specific groups of people. I um, I was just on the phone with my daughter, FaceTiming. Thank God for FaceTiming. I'm so grateful that I can see, and Zoom, that we can see people's faces. Um, and I said, what is your, your age group? She's uh, early 30s. What is your age group worrying about? And she mentioned that a lot of her peers are worried about giving the virus to their parents. Um, so proactive ways to offset that and find some balance with that. Suggestions? Um, stay away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's, it's a really difficult time. In fact, I'm involved at, at work at Washington University Medical School with, with we're getting ready to write a, a summary of how the immune system is interacting with COVID in, in our specific specialty, which is called the complement system. That's with an E. Anyway, so we don't know why some younger types do not, you know, have the disease, don't show it or it's mild. And so you, since you don't know, this is the time when you, the worry should be uh, an appropriate response. And you, you just try to be clean, wash yourself, wash yourself uh, I mean wash your hands and yeah and so so your daughter doesn't live with you right you just connect with not currently <laughs> although well, she wants daughter, to come home <laughs> I have a daughter and, and in fact on Easter uh, I'm the one who usually has Easter and I have maybe 20 25 people over at my house and and so this year obviously first year ever we couldn't do that we yeah. did a zoom I figured out how to how to do Zoom Yay. and I had eleven people on the screen. So, um, so yes, it's it's wonderful to do what you can do, and that that's one of my messages too: is focus on what you can do, not what you can't, because that's a more proactive stance. Yeah. And so, young people, you just have to put up with us right now because you you know we could get sick, and so we we appreciate your help. And my parents, the next generation up, it's the same thing. I I, I feel the same worry. And um, my sister has been, I'm a little bit farther away, but my sister has been dropping off food and just leaving it at the door and, um, you know, just taking care of them. But I know they're lonely. And that's another worry of that uh, subset of the population, the seniors, so many of them are alone or um, in group homes. And um, how do we sort of minister to them when they're dealing with this, this extreme level of anxiety and it's a, it's it's a very different kind of situation and and uh, my mother passed a couple of years ago but was in the nursing home and mm-hmm. I can I know how I would feel if I couldn't visit her mm-hmm. and and so you do what you can do again in the particular circumstance you find yourself what can you do can you go over and if they're lucky enough to have a window you know sing them a song or bring the grandkids over are they able to be do a face uh, facetime zoom or whatever do that how about writing them something drawing them something and mailing it if 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 that's allowed so you know in the particular circumstances you find can you call them you know you know there's some that have alzheimer's and so you know that makes another challenge versus someone who can use the phone in a in a nursing facility and and then at one point you just accept the fact that i'm only able to do the best that i can and then i have to kind of let let this go so you you find a creative solution 
and then you remain remain centered about the fact that that is the best I feel I can do. Yeah. And so many people have lost their jobs and um, small businesses are down and there's just so many financial worries now, which seems um, so trite in light of all the deaths and the um, sickness, but it is a real worry for so many people. Um, what do you say to, to those people? What are some practical ways to uh, get us through this time, however long it may be? And again, we have so many different scenarios. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, again, the, the common, the square one is, is, is trying to keep a handle on your, your mind and emotions. And so if you like maybe just opened a business and then it, it had to close, you know, maybe people are going to lose their their life savings. They're going to lose some money. They're going to have have to lose the opportunity they were dreaming of. What do you say to that? Well, that's a hard situation. There, there's no easy answer to that. But I think we should always be guided by, you know, how do we feel inside when we can connect our heart and our head? that will be the right decision. Maybe the decision is going to be get a loan and keep going. Mm-hmm. And maybe decision is like, unfortunately, this isn't going to work out for me. Yeah. So, you know, get a financial planner, you know, be smart about it. Again, what can I do? Can I talk to someone uh, about how financially I could swing this? Uh, if I, if, will I need to get a new job? For some people who are stuck in jobs they didn't like, it may be a blessing in disguise. Yeah. For other people, not so much of a blessing, but you'll, you'll have to figure a way out. Plus, we don't know what's going to happen here yet. We don't know how things are going to rebound. People are very adaptive. You know, as I said, we've been here for millions of years, and we've learned how to adapt. You can see with all the online uh, you know, drive up, get the food, be online, design your closet. We will find creative ways of dealing with what we have to. And when we can't, then we have to practice acceptance. Yeah. Accept what we can't can't change. That that old but serenity prayer, right? God grant me the serenity to yes. to what? Accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. And that's a that's beautiful. I actually have that in my book, mm-hmm. and I think it, it's just it it's in such a, sh- a few words gives us the exact right idea that will try to help us along. Mm-hmm. And the challenge is finding the wisdom, right? Yeah. So that's where I say connect your heart. This here, <laughs> connect your heart to your head, and when you can find that balance, you'll know the right way to go. And I think also bringing in a little bit of spirituality and um, wisdom. I think as we struggle through many of these things, we do mature, <laughs> and Lord knows we can mature a lot as a as a uh, human species, <laughs> right? Human species, as uh, a person, uh, you know, of a middle age, as uh, anything. Yeah. This. This is providing us a wonderful opportunity to, to grow, as well as with the challenges that, that mm. we face. And yeah. uh, I think people may be becoming more more gentle, more focused, what's really important in our lives. Maybe mm-hmm. we're going to be kinder to the earth because of this, because we can see things can happen yeah. in us. And so, um, yeah, I think becoming spiritual, whatever that means to the individual, connecting to that, I think mm-hmm. is, is a big help and, and therapeutic. 
Yes, yes. Reach out. Reach out where you need help. Let's get to the book. So um, you say stress and worry are hitting us at a younger and younger age. What Does it seem like we're losing the battle? I mean, COVID aside, what's, what's going on with that? So before we had the pandemic, we were, we were having an epidemic of anxiety and, and stress in the world. And they've been taking a, a poll um, for the last 25 years of student mental and emotional well-being, uh, college uh, students entering college, let me put it that way. And so what they found is a 25-year downward trend in students who entering college uh, after you know maybe six months or a year. But college students have been going, their mental, emotional well-being self-reported have been going down. It's like, why is that? And is that, is that, what does that mean? And so students were losing the battle, which makes me think that we need to teach stress management earlier in, in the ball game, maybe in high school, maybe starting in grade school, you know, maybe people don't know exactly how to do that. Maybe we should learn because stress management is something you want to begin to give tools about before stress is hitting you right in the face. So students have been losing the battle, but so have the U.S. You know, that the United States mm-hmm. is considered, you know, when you looked at the World Health Organization and stress and anxiety, it said, you know, U.S. likes to be number one. Well, we are also in the number one nation with the, that have the most anxious and stressed people. So, so we needed to work on this before this hit, and now we for sure need to work on it. But the good news is that maybe we're more aware of the, these facts now, and maybe we'll try to be proactive and decide what we can do about this and come up with the consensus of opinion because it is a, a big problem. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really great point. Um, I know some schools, some elementary schools are introducing yoga and um, some schools are teaching meditation. What are some other things that you might envision for a uh, stress reduction um, education? One of the things uh, that I have taught, you know, it's, it's, stress can be on many levels, and it, you know, so can anxiety. So what I have taught uh, some people is what I call the five-minute mental marinade or a five-minute reset, and that only involves a few steps, and you can do that anytime you're feeling anxious. I suggest doing it, you know, when you wake up, and maybe certainly before you go to bed especially during this and what it, it what it involves is taking a few deep breaths mm-hmm. do that with you over your heart and uh taking a few more deep breaths and then usually i have people close their eyes and think of something that you find enjoyable something that you like maybe just a pretty view of looking at the ocean or a blue sky and you dwell there for a few more minutes now you take a few more deep breaths now I want you to think of something that you love or love to do. Maybe it's someone you love, your grandkids, your husband, your partner. Maybe it's love of kayaking. Maybe it's love of being outside. Dwell there for a few minutes and feel the way that feels. And after a few minutes of dwelling on something that you love, take a few more deep breaths. And then slowly come out of that feeling. What happens is only within five minutes of doing that, you can change your entire inner biochemistry 
and you can feel much more relaxed because you're bringing positive feelings to flow through your body from head to toes. I've uh, actually talked to moms who've done that with their children, and they've asked their children afterwards as a, as a, a, a just a discussion point, what did you think of that made you happy? Mm-hmm. And so then they would share that. And so teaching people, children, to even just in five minutes get out of that worry, anxious mindset and just focus on something enjoyable, mm-hmm. something loving can do a, a major change in how you feel in a short period of time. And that just also teaches you, I can help myself. Yes. Because a lot of time we're looking for someone else to, to help us, but the, the fact is we need to be the person we run to when we have a problem. Right. So that helps build that uh, feeling. And as a, a biologist and a professor, and, and this idea of holding yourself, putting your own hands, which are have uh, healing properties on your heart center biologically what is that chemically what is that doing to us so we have uh, uh, endorphins many different types of endorphins in our body and we we also have um what is it the hug hormone that the oxytocin oxytocin yeah oxytocin right and one of the things that science has found out this is really fascinating to me is that the heart contains as many of those endorphin receptors, as many types, as the brain. So each type that's found in the brain is also found in the heart. Maybe not as many, but so the heart and the heart brain is something that people have written about um, recently in uh, neurotheology, cardiotheology, the idea that we have uh, bodies that we can help and in, in concrete ways, you know, the uh, release of endorphins, uh, connection of electromagnetic energy between one person and another, right. whether it's on Zoom or whether it's in the same room, those types of things seem to be possible. So we yeah. need to take advantage of those. Well, the yogis and the spiritual masters have been saying it for thousands of years, maybe more. <laughs> but leave it to the West to do the research. So we're grateful for you. Um, let's talk about a few more things about the book. Um, the four core concepts that you cover in your book. Can you touch on those? So uh, when I wrote this book, it was because uh, not just that I've studied this, it's because I was a person who had anxiety and panic attacks when I was younger. I started in college Same. when I started learning one stress after another, and I had very little coping strategies, I guess. Uh, and, and so uh, one, one day I just felt terrible, and I felt like the end of the world, and so I found out later that it was a panic attack. And I spent the next 20 years trying never to have that again. Yep, same. So unfortunately, the more the same. Yeah. And, and I don't know you about your experience. The more you avoid, the stronger it gets because you're telling yourself, ah, mm-hmm. that's something that causes a problem. Stay away from that. Yep. So that's why I wrote the book. So you also had panic? I did. I did. I was young. I was in my 20s. I think the 20s are hard. <laughs> I, had a, I had a young child. I, my husband and I had just started a business. And all of a sudden, I started having heart palpitations. And I had to go to the hospital. I thought I was having a heart attack. And um, they said, no, I'm perfectly healthy. I, my doctor actually told me I needed a vacation. I was like, well, that's really impractical advice. But... Um, I bought a book on meditation and taught myself how to calm down. And that was the beginning of a real healing journey for me. So 
in body, mind, and spirit. So you had <laughs> you had some innate sense faster than me. So I applaud you. Um, I don't. It was you needed to tackle this yeah, problem. Yeah, I don't. I, did, I, I had, yeah. So so um, I I just I had some inner guidance. I think that was that was guiding me. I wasn't that smart. <laughs> spiritually yeah so, I think I had a yeah go ahead sorry I think I had to learn more about it so I would write about it be sufficiently mm-hmm. miserable that I'm just gonna <laughs> overcome this regardless yeah. of what it's gonna do and and the, and the good news about that is that I learned everything you shouldn't do so that was a very helpful uh, 20 years but uh, um, so I, I swore that I was going to write about it, and, and what I when I had to write about it, someone said, "Well, how did you get over it?" And when someone would ask me, and mm-hmm. I thought, "I'm not a hundred percent sure." And so what I did when I was writing the books is really do a self inventory, and I decided I actually got better by changing from the inside out from my inner core, and that's the core actually was an acronym for me because one of the first realizations I had is the C in core. And the C stands for choice, is that I may not have a choice about what happens to me, but how I react and how, what attitude I want to have about it is my choice. I always, think, I always thought things were, were uh, decided for me or that I couldn't have that power. Once I decided I actually did have a power over things, that helped me. And then the O in core stands for outlook. Because once mm-hmm. I learned I did have a choice, I knew that I needed to change and change my outlook about perfectionism. I didn't have to have an A on every test. I didn't have to have my house completely clean when the kids are running around going crazy. And so I could choose to change my outlook. And the R, this is a really important point too. The R stands for risk. Once I, in small steps, realized that I did have a choice and I could change how I was thinking and reacting, I needed to get off my tank and move and actually confront things that, that uh, frightened me. Like a parked car is not going anywhere uh, until you start moving it. So then I had to take, start taking risks. And yes, that was scary, but taking risks and small steps, I went from being afraid to really leave the St. Louis area to flying all over the world now and, and visiting my sister who lives in the Bahamas and going to international conferences. So that was the risk part of getting better. And the final step was E. And I put, this is the body, mind, spirit idea, is embracing your inner spirit, spirit, mm, the, uh, the higher, it. happier part of you that loves life and will give you guidance. Learning to hear that quiet inner voice as opposed to the blaring one that uh, speaks of fear and, and worry and panic. I learned to listen to the quiet inner voice, my inner spirit. So when I put that those four steps together, that's what changed my life. And although it took me a, a, a little time to, to come up with that, um, I jump right into it now. That's the good thing about going through problems is that now, when if I have struggles, it's how fast can I bounce back? How resilient am I? And and, and bat myself on the back for all those years, I'm pretty resilient now. Yay. So to, that's how you do it. You go, girl. Yeah, so realizing you have a choice. Um, what's the second? The O is the changing outlook, your changing your outlook. And then taking those risks, which really builds the muscle, helps us mm-hmm. train ourselves, and then embracing our 
inner wisdom, our inner guru or master. I love it. That's really, that's really good. And it's also a good example, your, your own story and mine are good examples of how we grow through struggle. So positive, putting a positive spin. <laughs> it's that your problems can be stepping stones, right? And it's, and it's like, uh, I'd rather try something and fail than not try it all kind of philosophy. So sometimes you just got to take the risk and, and sometimes it doesn't turn out the best way. But you took that risk, darn it. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's the happy spot about it. Yep, yep. Always pat yourself on the back. So one of your chapters, you mentioned that Japanese philosophy of wabi-sabi. Can you um, talk about wabi-sabi? It kind of makes me hungry. I don't need to be hungry, but go ahead. <laughs> That's wasabi, but just saying. But um, no, when I, when I read about this, I was writing my book, and I go like, oh, totally like this, totally. And so what wabi-sabi, wabi-sabi is a Japanese or Buddhist philosophy that finds beauty in the imperfect and mm. em embraces things that are worn out, uh, other people might discard. Um, it, it's, a, it's a sense of appreciation and, and caring for something that is imperfect. And there is a, um, in Tokyo, there's a museum that has a, an old ancient vase that they have and a spotlight on it. And the spotlight is showing right on the big crack down the middle of that base. Oh, yes. So, so to me, what wabi-sabi means, it doesn't have to be perfect. There's beauty in the imperfect. You can handle chaos because sometimes it actually is a good chaos. You might have a very neat house, but that means your kid, kids have now grown up and, and gone away. So maybe a little chaos with the wrappers thrown around or, or whatever, it's not such a bad thing. So mm. that was the idea of uh, wabi-sabi. What do you think? I love it. I love it. And I think I was thinking when, as you were speaking, I was thinking about um, one of the many concerts that we've been able to see of um, performers performing from their own home. And there was one guy, beautiful voice, great performance, totally bed not made <laughs> right behind him. And I was like, oh, this is really beautiful. You know, you know, strange wabi-sabi. I didn't know that's what it was, but way. Yeah, this is pretty cool. So hope that makes our bed every day. Hate to say it, but do. Yeah. Be like, and then you think, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. I was like, is his mom watching? But um, yeah, maybe we'll be able to in the West finally cut ourselves some slack. And I think that's part of it because, you know, when I talk about outlook and changing your outlook, I go, you know, you, we need to go from blame, anger, and guilt. Those are the really the bad ones. It's like a bag of junk. And then blame, instead of blaming, you know, be grateful. And, Gratitude. you know, mm -hmm. and so it's turning those outlook that, you know, I would blame the person be like my own judge or anger. Maybe what anger is trying to teach us is to cultivate clarity and I messages to someone instead of saying, you're such a jerk, you know, then just say, I feel when you said that, I feel this way. And so mm -hmm. changing anger to, to communication and, and guilt is supposed to teach you something, but guilt you know, as a practice, is generally not going to help us. And so with, with guilt, we just turn that around, too. And, again, gratitude helps with that as well. I'm grateful for this. I may not be happy about that, but I am grateful for this and maybe learning a message. Yeah. So changing your outlook is very important. So important. I agree. So your subtitle of your book is Stop Coping and Start Living. So maybe if we work on some of the principles in your book and some of these uh, practices that we've discussed 
we can actually start living? Like, how do you envision maybe even using yourself as an example or some of your sources in your book? Um, what can it look like for us to live with a reasonable amount of worry, the worry that you say is healthy? How does that look? How does that look? That looks actually, at, you know, you, instead of being in a reactive mode or being on autopilot, which is we run a, a lot of our lives in an unconscious mode, running programs we learned as a little kid, right? That whether we didn't really agree with it, but that's just the way we were. And so we run on autopilot reacting and thinking so the new me the new you and change of instead of being on autopilot autopilot is on choice and makes its decision to react differently or you catch yourself doing something and you retool that Mm -hmm. and let's let's face it sometimes you're going to feel anxious so you need you need a a toolbox of things that helps you and again that's where take some post-its stick it up there and you know say that there is a beginning there is a middle and there is an end to these problems. And uh, or, or whatever worked for you. My mom used to always say, this too shall pass. Yeah. She, she had five kids and was a single parent. So she said that a lot. And I remember hearing it a lot. So uh, I think that is, is also something that helps us. And then I think what's also important is learning tools that will help you cope. You know, help you not just live in a coping situation, but feel better despite the worries. And that was the five minute reset. And then I, I have a, something called the stop, look, and listen. And, and what the stop, look, and listen is, is that once you feel those negative, negative feelings coming up or anxiety starting to well, you just say stop. And you're aware that that's going on in your mind, but you, tell, you interrupt it. Mm-hmm. And that interrupts the biochemistry. And then look just is look around the, the place where you find yourself, you know, name things, see colors, see objects, name those. And so that interrupts it because it grounds you in, in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And then stop, look, and listen. It's just hearing more compassionate dialogue. What would you say to a friend who was having a, a bad moment or a bad day or bad, uh, a bad time? And, and learn to be that to you. And so that is, is another way to help you just get in back into your life. But here's the other thing. Find what makes you happy. And in the situation that you're in, what do you feel? What makes you feel good? Do that. Well, we can't do everything we want to do right now. I love to go kayaking, but that's Me too. Happening. We should hang out. I, I know. Come on down to St. Louis. Oh, so yeah. I can't do that right now. But... Um, what can I do? I would love. To get, I can take walks with my doggy Carly, and I'm playing Scrabble remotely with some friends, um, uh, watching good news. I don't. I turn off the, the news and I look for good news. And uh, John Krasinski has a great YouTube. Uh, yeah. Some good news. Yes, uh, it's so great. So, so the the new you depends on when we're talking about. For the short term, you need to do things that you that make you feel good. And if you're with a bunch of other people, it's like, that is not making me feel good. Well, then we need to need to talk to them and set aside a, a, a sanctuary time or place for you because you have to be the one who rebuilds yourself and, and stay stronger. So 
So all these ways are ways that you can be happy despite a very difficult situation. And you're not just coping and doing this or that. You're still focusing on your inner you and your and what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not, I guess what they say is mama's not happy, nobody's yeah, happy. Yeah, right, but, right. But the thing is, regardless, uh, you need to do things that, that make you feel good, that make you feel happy. Mm-hmm. So uh, and focus on what you can do. Focus on the present moment because fear is usually about the potentially scary future, which is wrong half the time. So, so those are the tools that we do. Focusing on the moment, use your own tools, and have some specific tools if it starts to overcome you. Yeah, good. I'd love to have you back again to talk about maybe what happens after we come out of this, because some of us will retain some of that trauma. We we carry it in our bodies. We store that and how we can gracefully move out of it. So maybe for another time, because for now, this is where we are. So thank you so much for coming on to talk about it, um, your book and everything you're doing for all of us to help us stay kind of calm and worry-free or worry, <laughs> worry-balanced. <laughs> worry-balanced, I like that. Yeah. And you're, you're doing a good job, too. If, you're, if you've got people you're trying to do yoga with or trying to, mm-hmm. to do things, because you've learned a lot of things in your life, too. Yes. So uh, passing that along is, uh, is very helpful. So I applaud you, too. Thank yes. you. I just want to be wiser <laughs> and pass along what I what I have learned. Um, that's the older thing, right? Just the wiser. Yeah, I mean, whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> as long as I can kayak and do yoga. Um, so give us all the information we need to find your book and any of your um, wisdom. How do we find you? Oh, I appreciate that. So I have, there are a lot of things that we weren't able to discuss, obviously, that mm-hmm. I think are, 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 good, are helpful. And it's, I wrote the book to be simple, not uh, any psychobabble or things, things that I found helpful. So you can go to my website, um, whyworrybook.com. That's one word, whyworrybook.com. And there are links to get the book. You can go on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's, it's available. And if you want to keep up with some of the strategies that I also, uh, I did a couple of videos. My daughter is a, a radio video person. Oh, perfect. And so it's yeah. uh, at Catherine Tristan uh, on Facebook. So, you know, feel free to, to check out the website. I've tried to update that for COVID and also some of the tools that I provide just to try to help out. So Great. Good. Hope you can manage. Awesome. Well, that's all we can do is try to help out where we can from right where we are. So thank you so much, Catherine. I really appreciate you. And um, we'll talk again, I hope. Namaste. Namaste. (laughs) Take care. Bye.